Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men de-reconstructing the South. All right. So welcome to the Dixie Polis. Uh, I guess we're having a round table today, guys. Um, and we are going to go over the recent Doug Wilson happenings. As uh, we can see right now, I've got the uh, 360 Whiteness Review article up. Uh, we're going to kind of talk through this thing and go over some of the history behind Wilson. Um, I guess to set the set the theme for this whole idea, this whole recording here, um, in a lot of ways, Wilson has helped us out. I know he's helped me out tremendously. Uh, but, you know, as of, as of recently, uh, his interactions with the, the whole, uh, Kenneth's conversation and then white boy summer as kind of an extension or an adjacent topic. Um, it's, it's really been a lot of misrepresentations and it's, it's along in the, it's, it's along the same line of the whole lore situation where there's been a concerted effort to just not listen to the conversation, to not listen to the other side. And so this is kind of one of those one and dones we're trying to do, uh, put all of our heads together and, and really flesh out this thing, some of the history, uh, how he's misrepresenting the conversation. And then uh, we'll, we'll have to see where it goes from there, but I don't intend on beating on this. Um, so, uh, I, I guess I will go ahead and start and get everybody to introduce themselves, and we will go from there. I guess we'll start with uh, with Jeff Wah. Sure, I go by Jeff von Scotto or Jeff von Scott. If you want to connect with me on Facebook, you can find me under that name. Send me a friend request, and if you don't look like a Fed, I will accept. Uh, Thulcandrian. I like that name. It's an amazing name. He's muted. I guess go ahead, David. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm David Wayne. I uh, I run a Substack. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter under the handle uh, J Maximus Coriolanus. Okay. I guess, uh, Thulkandrian, you were going? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm here for the memes right now. No. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Daniel? Yo, I'm Daniel Roberts. I'm just here for the ride. I live here in Florida for now. Uh, still have to meet, uh, Andrea and uh, yeah, I'm just here for the ride. See what's going on. Jason. Yes, Jason Dixon, also a Floridian. There are a lot of Floridians here. Uh, I'm just a humble son of the South, just a Reformed Confederate theocrat. And I don't know where to f I, anyone could find me online. I'm not online very much. <laughs> <laughs> Still based. 
All right, well, Noah hopped in and jumped out a few times, so I guess we'll have to see if he hops in. But um, we're going to go ahead and get started. And um, I guess we had just had a little bit of a conversation talking about the attempts at playing on words with white boy bummer or um, there was some other bummer word that he used. Um, but it, it, it really seems like uh, he, he misses the mark when it comes to trying to have a good criticism for white boy summer. Um, and Jeff, well, if you could repeat as close as you can, what, what you had said earlier, um, kind of your synopsis of it. Yeah. Well, uh, as you were stating earlier, you mentioned that in order for humor to really strike home for a statement to feel true enough to be funny, it has to be rooted in some form of reality. You know, there needs to be some way in which the joke is true. You know, the, the old joke, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? The reason it's funny is because it's obvious and true. And uh, what I was saying earlier was his point about, you know, white boy bummer. The entire uh, campaign, if you will, of white boy summer was all about aesthetics of, you know, just guys having a really good time in the sunshine, going out together with the bros, posting physique. And, uh, you know, none of these things are a bummer. They're all very enjoyable uh, if not leisurely, then almost pseudo vacation activities. They're things that everybody looks at and goes, man, I, I want to do that. You know, I, I need to put some time in my schedules. I can go do those things. Nobody looks at that and says, oh, bummer. So for me, it just felt like a lot of his criticisms felt very flat because they were so far from the mark. There just wasn't any truth behind them. And so a lot of the word plays felt very forced. It didn't seem, uh, didn't seem to strike home. And it's like, uh, I don't remember who said it, but somebody in here, you know, said it's a bit of, uh, the phenomenon of, you know, the left can't meme cause he's coming at this from our left. And it, it seems like he's maybe just doesn't understand end it. Well, Jeff, I think it is a bummer to those who are angered by white self-confidence. Because if you think of there being like a, an Indian boy, boy summer or a Mexican boy summer, you know, Wilson would have nothing to say about that. He would appreciate the self-confidence of uh, that kind of minority expression. But with whites, people are trained, people like him are trained to have a negative reaction to it. Yeah, and, and from my end, that that whole lineup, you know, the, the whole you're jealous of people who are more connected than you. Um, it was just playing off of that same trope. Maybe he intended for that to come across that way, where this other group of people are just more cohesive of a group than you are. And so you're just jealous that they're more cohesive of a group than you are. Um, and using that as an argument does nothing but just validate our position. Yeah, because if we're being, because they're, he's, 
And the proper behavior then we go and build our own group that has cohesion, you know, build up each other so that we have that connectedness. But as soon as anybody starts to do that, everyone comes out of the woodwork screaming and trying to set us all on fire because you know, we're not allowed to do that. It's like, you know, like you just said, every other group of people in the world are allowed to uh, congregate. They're allowed to uh, select within their own group to prefer their own group. But there just seems to be one group of people that are not allowed to do that. And it happens to be the one that we are all a part of. And this is why I think he's disingenuous because you'll hear him say things like, oh, well, you, of course you can be proud of your own mother without hating someone else's mother. I think that's a line he's used a lot of times. But then he gives himself away by things like this, where he really shows an animosity towards whites uh, asserting themselves in any way whatsoever. So let's, if 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 uh, nobody has anything else, I'm going to go ahead and get into the article. Um, I'm not going to read the word introduction like Wilson does, <laughs> or conclusion for that matter. Um, while some might want me to begin today's uh, installment, oh, go ahead. Travis? I don't know what happened. I think my I think my thing is messing up. I like don't know really, can you hear me? I can hear you. Is it your hardware or your software? I, I don't know. I've got like a major lag because I just like I don't know. Dude, something's messing up tonight. Okay. Car carry on while I try to get this sorted. Okay, no problem. All right. Um, while some want me to begin today's installment by avowing that the November goal is to is not to attack everybody, as though I were trying to start some reformed version of Festivus or something, a celebration which begins with an obligatory airing of grievances, this would both violate my November rule of no qualifications as well as well as having the disadvantage of not being true. I am going to attack everybody, at least everybody I can think of, that has anything whatever to do with whiteness and its adjacent sins. What a pasty, pale excuse for a foundational ethnic identity. A color? That's it? If you want something like that, you should have at least gone for emerald green. That might have been something worth a preen or two, but no. Um, you know, the, the, the two things that spot, you know, that just immediately jump out to me are... First, the obvious, essentially, lie at this point that it's all about skin color. And second, that he's going to attack anybody who's going to identify with white. I don't know of any other group that he would attack for identifying with whatever color they are. It's just, yeah. just a weird opening. There's no other group of people he would attack. And he thinks this kind of self-effacement is virtuous. He thinks what he's getting at really is that faith is all that matters and any kind of blood bond that you have with anyone beyond your immediate family 
In fact, remember when he was interviewing Stephen Wolf, he asked him point blank, do you believe that we have loyalty to our grandparents and our great-grandparents? Because almost as if I, I took from that, that like he wasn't really sure what the answer would be or he might, he might have thought that that was somewhat controversial because I think in his mind there is sexual identity but no racial identity is allowed. There's family cohesion but no uh, group cohesion beyond that is allowed. And so he thinks that by minimizing race as mere skin color and bringing up this emerald green nonsense that he is displaying some kind of virtue. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, I switched mics here. Um, yeah, just barely. If you can turn it up any, it'd really help. Is that any better? Yeah, I turned you up. Um, I think, too, it's important to remember at the outset with all this is, you know, his whole no quarter November thing, obviously for him, there's no qualifiers. So in one sense, you know, it started off as something that was really neat. Oh, cool. No quarter November. Yeah. Raise the black flag. Um, but it also is a real convenient excuse to just start off with a fallacy. And in this case, he's poisoning the well with, you know, like you said, it's they already have us back on our heels as if like, you know, skin color is the thing. And um, and that's what gets in the audience's mind right at the outset. But, you know, it, it's not surprising given given his uh, no qualifiers or whatever. But it's also a convenient excuse to uh, <laughs> not be, uh, you know, hitting it on the net as far as what we're actually saying. But that's that gets besides the point. Well, yeah, and if anybody thinks that he wrote this article in November, you know, the first of November rolled around and he's like, oh, I'm going to write about White Boy Summer. And this is an article that's been stewing uh, probably since summer, you know, when all of this was going on. And he just wanted to wait until this moment so that he wouldn't have to put the qualifiers on because that's how you treat an enemy. And he has come out full face to say that he is opposed to anyone who comes from the position of whites are allowed to have in-group preference and he's going to fight that like he would fight a spiritual enemy like he would fight satan himself and he's he's showing his true colors here yeah exactly right so i i think you know the whole no quarter november being used as a shield um but you know, kind of getting to the, the criticism here, you know, not giving somebody quarter is not a justification for a straw man, which is exactly what this is. So, you know, really he he's – even though he mentions, <laughs> uh, you know, the disadvantage of not being true, his criticism here is not really true. Um, although I will say in a positive note here. Um, I, I I really do like the assorted crackers. Um, assorted crackers make me happy. Yeah, that's one of our memes. Uh, that's one of the memes we posted. So it, it's interesting to see how something that we saw as, haha, that's us, lol. And he sees it as, oh, my word, you know, this is just so pathetic. His perception is completely different than ours because 
where he's coming from is different than us. We we are not ashamed of who we are like he is. I, I didn't realize that was one of our memes. That's even funnier that he thought that was an own. I'm fairly certain multiple people tagged me in that one because they're like, no, it's all the crackers you hang out with. I mean, uh, alt-right spark, whoever I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Noah. Um, Stop. All right, so white boy bummer. Uh, let us start with the usual suspects. These are the folks who have completely fallen for the progressive play that has been run on them. That play will be described more fully in the next section, but for the present, let us merely say that they have fallen for a ploy that makes them think that we conservatives are somehow want the third string to run out on the court at the opening of the championship game. The material they have been reading makes them think the third string and coach are synonyms. I'm going to be honest, I didn't even get this joke because – I, I didn't either. I was literally going to chime in. I was like, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I, that, that might be me just be me just admitting that I'm a retard. I, I am. So, yeah. I mean, what's the metaphor? I'm, I'm stupid. Let me talk to me like I'm five. I mean, is he just talking about like the band coming out? Is that... <laughs> okay, all right. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, okay. Uh, the third well, string. Oh, go ahead. I don't really know how American sports work, but I think this wasn't meant to be a joke. I think it was just an accusation that uh, we're just a bunch of lame nobodies, and everybody should be listening to him instead of all these young bucks on the internet. So it it felt a bit like self-gratification and a bit like an attack on everybody else around him. Yeah. And we'll get to this whole fallen for the progressive play here thing. Um, Cause you know, we had, we had uh, had a conversation about what's the difference between what we're doing and what CRT is advocating for. Um, but I, I want to tackle that a little bit later. Um, the third string are those who take the natural affection for their own people that no sensible man ever doubted was a good thing. Hook it up to a bicycle pump and inflate it to cringe levels. Okay, Zoomer. Um, you know, bracing for the pop. They talk much about love and soil and affection and heritage, but their chief characteristic is crackling envy aimed at anybody who is smarter, wealthier, has a better-looking wife, is more influential, or is better connected than they are. After just... A couple of days marinating in that attitude, they start talking ominously about the Jews. So, yeah, go ahead. This is really an intervention. We want y'all guys to stop, you know, with your attitude towards the Jews. Joke didn't hit as well as I thought it was going to. <laughs> I laughed a little bit. I was just muted. But, but the thing is, he has no problem whatsoever with non-white natural affection for their own kind. Right. When he, says, yep. when he says, oh, no one would oppose someone showing natural affection for their own kind. Every, you have to read between the lines and see all the other statements he makes, all the minimizing of, of uh, white in-group preference and self-confidence. He doesn't want to well, see any of that. This little highlighted section right here just it it preemptively undermines that entire line of reasoning. Yeah. 
because he's going to this is an attack on anybody what it, uh, that has anything whatever to do with whiteness in its adjacent sentence. So it's a it's a full broadside attack on anybody who's white. But hey, man, yeah, you know, I whoever has a natural affection for their own people, that's fine. And that's a sensible just, thing to do. Not just those who are white, but he's using the word whiteness, the language of the left, white right. as oppressors. And I, I think that might be, um, I, I guess, a big portion of this whole thing is that he's adopting not just the criticisms, but also the mindset of the left to make this argument. Um, it, it really is coming at us from the left, but it's not even from our left. He's coming at us from his left. So I want to chime in here. So um, me, me and you, Luke, was talking about, or talking a little bit, and I kind of had a different take on the whole article after reading it for a second time. Uh, but I can kind of see his argument here. I just don't think it applies to us. I think there's too many people out there that are, you know, you know, boasting about their, their race or whatever, boasting about how much they love blood and soil. But the only thing that they're doing is they're in a closet, you know, screaming on the Internet about Jews. So, I mean, I can see his argument, but I just don't think it's applied. Like, we, we aren't that, those type of people. We're actually building something that's going to last. We're starting families. We're, we're, you know, actually building communities at our local church level. And um, I, I don't think he's making that distinction, right? Yeah, well, well, that, that goes with his whole no qualifications. I mean, if he was going after the National Socialist Movement of America, that would be one thing. But he's purposely going after us, knowing that we say nothing of the kind and we are not driven by any sort of envy. Um, and he's using the cloak of no quarter November to get away with slandering us. Right. Um, well, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up editing this out because uh, I don't want to dox the guy that he's putting in the article. I know people can go read this article, um, but I, I'm not gonna be a part of doxing that. That's not okay. Um, but I, I think that specific, the specific line right here is aimed at him directly, and it's a way to I, drag him out in public. I, I think it's also a way. And, and here's the theory I've been kicking around. I think it's also a way to throw shade at Andrew Torba because the particular screenshot in question is not only just a repost from the person who you're talking about who he's doxing, it's literally Andrew Torba responding to reposting another tweet. So I, you know, I, I've said this to other people before, I kind of feel like this is gearing up to throw, you know, and you guys can give your thoughts as well. It's kind of gearing up to put Gab under the bus because it's like, well, all those racist white boy summer enjoyer kinnis are all on gab talking about the Jews ominously in the corner instead of being productive. You know, some, there's, there's, it's sus to use a Zoomer term. It's just sus. <laughs> I want to put a disclaimer in right now. We're, we're not saying that that's what they're planning on doing, but that is a, um, a hypothetical scenario. Yeah, that's speculation. Yes. I just want to. I just want to make sure we're not gonna. Uh, and I don't think we can get <laughs> accused of anything. But still, too late. It's done. Throw us under the bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I said it. I will not elaborate further. 
All right. So, but, yeah, the, I mean, this entire sentence was very confusing to me the first time I read it because it seemed to me like it came out of left field, uh, to use a baseball reference that I don't completely understand. But all of the guys I know in this group, uh, save you, James, poor guy, we're working on it, but we're all married to very good-looking women. Uh, we're not jealous of other people's wives. We're not upset about other people's cohesion. I mean, if you're all of the things that he says that we're jealous of the Jews for can be equally applied to the Chinese and the Japanese. And we're not upset at the Chinese and the Japanese because they're not using their political connectedness to steal our country. They're not using their collaboration with each other as a group to emasculate our next generation to sodomize our sons and lobotomize our daughters. You know, this is a unique attack upon our persons by on our community, by another community. And we're recognizing uh, that attack from this other group. You know, we're all married to pretty women. We're all fairly well connected. I mean, that's what's going on right here is we're, we're making these connections. You know, I've driven across the country a couple times to see uh, these fellow white boys and visit with them and get to know them to stay in their houses and to, to sleep in their backyard in a tent, you know, sit around a campfire and drink whiskey together. You know, this is something that we're pursuing and that we're building and it's a good thing. And we're not doing it out of jealousy. We're doing it because it's a good thing to be pursued. And it's also a little bit of a necessary thing. You know, when the world unites against us, we've got to unite against the world. So I had a theory about this, but I don't know if I want to go into it in detail, but it, it, it was very odd, this sentence. It, it did not ring true at all. Well, a lot could be said about this, but I, I agree with what you guys have said. When he wrote about the talk about love and, and soil and affection and heritage, I don't believe he's speaking about, like you, you put it, the general... Uh, atheist, national, socialist kind of person out there. He's talking about Kenneth, which he has been railing against for at least since 2005. He's talking about Gab, like you're saying, Andrew Torba. Uh, it's, the, it's the people who love blood and soil and faith. People like us who are in the churches and just like we've seen again and again with these guys who who are posting uh, Andrew Sandlin and the others that they're trying to run people like us out of churches. And I, I would not put it across uh, for Doug to do the same kind of thing. If he found any person like us in his church, I'm sure he wouldn't be there at all. Listen, the whole thing kind of brings back it's now a meme uh but that that one phrase that always pops up in situations like this they never tell you you're wrong they just insult you and that that's that's the bigger part that's just blaring in my mind right now is you know i'm a man of the south i i love my state i love the people of my state and I think my people ought to have self-determination in how our government's run, 
and how um, and how our our communities are operating and how our uh, economic situation is. And you know we've got a bunch of wealthy people. Uh, they're not Chinese, by the way. Um, they're not Japanese, by the way. Um, they're not even Pakistani or Indian, right? I don't have any problem with any of those people groups whatsoever because they're not doing anything to me. But there is a specific group of people that are disenfranchising my own people from my own state, and I take issue with that. So if I love my state and I love my people and I love the heritage where I came from, you know, as, as much as Doug has written and defended the South, why am I the target of this audience, uh, uh, the target of this, this article here? It's just a, it's an odd, like I'm, I'm, I'm relishing in and taking joy in where I came from and the people that I, that I have as my people. Why is that a, an avenue for attack from Doug? Um, it's kind of just a way of restating what we've already said, but you know, for for me, it's it's this is kind of a personal issue, and I, I know it is for all of us, but just from my side of it, like, why why am I being attacked for that? Um. So, uh, we of course reject all ethnic pufferies. Okay. Um, this is the kind of thing that gets me, though, because he just talked about how he has a better-looking wife, but he's rejecting all ethnic pufferies. Um, yeah, this is something that I was thinking about today, and I almost made a Facebook post, but I, I decided against it. But I was going to take this entire blurb about ethnic vainglory and just swip, switch out the ethnic for sexual and just say, you know, I was I was going to come at it from the direction of well it's good to be a man if God made you to be a man you should glory in the thing that God made you to be and it's not vain glory to glory in something that God calls glorious so it's not ethnic vain glory if God created you differently on purpose in order to bring glory to himself there is such right. a thing as good pride. Right. It's it's the kind of pride you would take in your child when he's doing something that's that's great. You know, my boys were out they're they're learning how to use pickaxes right now because we're gonna build ourselves a primitive hut in the backyard. You know, that's them doing good. And I take pride when I see the kid who hasn't done a whole lot because he's not that old, but he's he's taking a, a five pound um, pickaxe and he's swinging it like he knows what he's doing you know he doesn't really but that kind of gives you a little bit of pride that's awesome that's a wonderful thing <laughs> dude how old is your son he's seven but he, he he's not been able to get out a whole bunch when we were in North Carolina we just didn't have the we didn't have the space for it but well, it's um, good to be out in the country. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some of the pictures you've posted on Facebook of your new place, and it, it looks like y'all are doing some really incredible stuff. We're trying, man. Um, and we do so with the right amount of loathing. Uh, reject all these ethnic pufferies, and we do so with just the right amount of loathing. 
Not so much loathing as to betray insecurity, and not so little as to hint that we might be harboring some secret affinity for any of that white pride foolishness. If we attacked it with loud shouts of alarm, it would do nothing except for except telegraph fear, like Trump attacking DeSantis or something. There's a real temptation here, and you need to know that I am resisting it manfully, because I know how, how it would look. Ethnic vainglory is like a swollen and misshapen souffle. And so the impulses to attack it with a cricket bat are unrelenting and fierce, but I stand firm. But if we tut-tut it a little bit, uh, a, a little something about how white boys will be wo will be boys, that too would be a problem. It would look like a cowardly and secret yearning to join up with them. And so we take special care to ladle just the right amount of loathing over, over, over all over the top of all ethnic malice and or vainglory, not too much, not too little. That's the secret. <laughs> Who gets yeah. to determine what vainglory is, though? I mean, by what well, apparently Doug Wilson. Vainglory? Oh, okay. He's the arbiter is... of that. Stop asking questions. I mean, because I'm pretty sure we're no more, you know, glorious, you know, glorifying our our eth our ethnicity than the, than the um, uh, Israelites were when they were leaving Egypt. I mean. I, it's not like we're building idols to it, I guess you could say. Yeah, but, right, yeah. How dare you want to maintain what you are? Well, for all his talk of going after all forms of ethnic vainglory, I'd like to see him do a No Quarter November post on uh, on Jewish uh, vainglory, uh, ethnic vainglory. So. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Yeah. So even since, since we're on this topic, uh, you know, yay. I'm sorry, I can't call him that. Kanye went out there and um you know he he's not the only one who's mentioned this but when jewish people deal in money they act like you owe them that money he's not the only one who said this he's not the only person who's brought it up they think they are the master race and they think that everybody else is just a, a half-breed mongoloid that they could just toss out and kill um they talk about this often they reference it often and so, where is the, where is the full-throated attack on that? Yeah, and that was Martin Luther's point in on the Jews in their life. Because if you have a people whose sacred book treats all Gentiles as cattle, what needs to be done is for those books to be burned and those people to be run out of civilized society. Right. But somehow that doesn't measure up to the kind of ethnic puffery that Wilson is condemning here. I mean, I don't want to get down that that whole trail, but I mean, that's that he he's against ethnic vainglory, but it's not against. Um, I I brought this up, Vody Bakum, he's out there talking about I'm going to go to my people, and I'm going to make sure that my people have the gospel, which I give, I give full honor to because that's a great thing to do. He wants what's best for his people. There's nothing wrong with that. What what? But but where's the criticism of him doing that and us doing the same thing for ours? They live in the third world. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, as as if my meth head neighbor isn't in a third world, you know, situation. Well, you see, it's way easier to be compassionate about the poor people over there. Much harder uh, when they're uh, three, oh, three zip codes next to you. It's a telescopic... Uh... Well, what's the word? Telescopic, Telescopic philanthropy? philanthropy? Yep. Dickens. Yeah. Uh, that, that that Dickens cartoon where uh where the, where the dirty children are at the the foot of um I, I don't know who it was representing you know Britain, but uh, she said, "Aren't we dark enough for you?" <laughs> I'm gonna have to find that meme. Hold on. Yeah, I mean, I've right, been a missionary to the third world, and it's very dark. It's very depressing, but I've also walked through. Uh, meth head trailer parks and it's it's like you said you know it's it's the third world right in your face but we aren't allowed to have compassion on them because they don't have that romantic feeling of going across the planet and spending all of your parents money uh, vacationing in some place where you're treated like royalty because when you go into the meth head trailer park next door you're just another person that everybody looks at and says hey man you know, can you help me out? You know, they don't come and worship you because you're some American like they do in these other places. So it's not as fun to speak of vainglory. Yeah, I've been um, I've been to a an urban area near me that's one zip code away, and uh, we were doing a job there. The there was a, a an elderly lady um, who was doubled over a retaining wall with a needle hanging out of her arm and the ambulance had to come get her because she was having an overdose in the middle of the street and we're we're not talking about some side street or some back alley we're talking about on main street um this is the kind of things that are happening in my areas i'm not going to spend a whole lot of money to go to an entirely different country when there are people in my own state that are living that kind of a life who need Christ. Like that, that lady needs Christ and her children need Christ because her hanging over that retaining wall, um, that affects them directly or indirectly. Um, I, I think, uh, I think to this point, I think it's important to remember too with, um, with Wilson, not only I think his geographical uh, context is important to consider too in this because yeah, I think I know a lot of guys in this chat um, are from the south and so our demographics are going to look a lot different than the whitest city on earth in Moscow, Idaho, you know what I'm saying like there's a yep. perspective there that I think he misses completely, and especially you guys in Texas that are, you know, on a border state. He doesn't see the dispossession uh, up front in full view in front of him. He sees the, you know, the white picket fence, the uh, the white people everywhere. Like, and, and that's great. There's nothing against what he's built up there, or what's been what's been built up there. But I just think it's a huge blind spot, and I think it has a lot to do with with geography. Um, or at least some to do with geography. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, because when you live in Idaho, which is over 90% white, uh, 
then you can begin to think that everything is just divided between right and left because the only enemies he has in town there are white liberals. Uh, but he's from Maryland, so, you know, the, the way I see it, I don't know if it was uh, him or his father or when it was that they left Maryland, but, um, and for what purpose, but you're right, you're exactly right. His, his outlook is clouded by that. And I found it really humorous. He said, you know, let's pick a white person at random. And, and this is later on in the argument or his uh, article. I don't mean to jump too far ahead, but he says, let's pick a white person at random. Uh, lesbian dyke, female professorette. And I was like, well, if you look at statistics, that person is probably not actually white. But I guess we can't get into that. Well, I, th I think the bigger thing is, is we would have to, I know me and Lucas would look at her and say, she's not my people. You know, if right. she's the white liberal from Idaho, she's, she's not of the same race as me. You know, now, now, okay, so race is more like a spectrum, right? But I wouldn't consider her like, you know, my countryman at all. She's not from here. I mean, she would, she would know? be uh, of a different race, just like, you know, uh, they talked about the Yankee race. They talked about the, um, uh, you know, <laughs> I know we'll have people in our chat offended at this, but the German race, you know, the majority of the people around around my area of the country were either Scots Irish or French. So that's ninety percent of my genetics right there: Scotch Irish and French. I have very little German in me, but if you go up north, you know it's. German everywhere, du German, Dutch, um, you know, that just, and that's just a different group of people within a larger family of people. I mean, they're, we're all Indo-Europeans, which I, I think that would be a, a broad, uh, uh, I think that would be a good broad group to say that that's white people as Indo-Europeans. But we're talking about like a want. huge umbrella right there. Well, yeah, but I mean, white is a huge umbrella, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, but but I mean, when we're talking about you know people in place, though, we're we're not we're talking about like state sized umbrellas, right? Like these are our people; these are our places, you know. Um, and and it, it's less of a color thing because you know there's black people down here that I'd much rather have down here than the white people that are moving down here. You know what I'm saying, and um, that they're closer to me in culture. Yeah, they're they're a completely different skin color than me. Who cares? You know, we can still be friends because he likes the same type of food I like. He listens to probably the same music I like, and all that type of stuff. He's the same culture, right? Of course, that's that's because most of our um, our um, black communities were heavily influenced by the Scots Irish, but you know. Yeah, same on, same on my end. Um, if someone put a gun to my head and commanded me to come up with a scheme for defending our threatened cultural heritage here in the West, and if I were to obediently tell them to fix things by sorting everybody out based on color, you can be assured that this would be me trying to blink a message in Morse code to the outside world. How else to make their hostage videos seem like a, ris a risible joke? The kind of thing commits you to a Benjamin Moore Color Swatch Foundation for all your cultural analysis. 
You get it all worked out. Thoroughbreds, mulattoes, quadroons, octoroons, and more. You're embarrassing us, man. I had an acquaintance once whose grandfather was born a black Roman Catholic in New Orleans and died a white Lutheran in Ohio. Now what? You want to institute a blood purity system of loyalties in a time when we now have the technology that can assign what row of the bus you sit in and determine whether or not you are allowed to open your window. Your ancestry results are in, and we are sorry to report that it has adversely affected your social credit score. So he's talking to... It's, it's, he's identifying us with the left here, which is exactly the opposite of what we're doing. Um, and again, this is, this is all about, he's making it about skin tone and this has nothing to do with skin tone. Um, you know, for, for, for all intents and purposes, when I get really tan, I look like a, a, a Mexican, but it's not the skin tone. I'm, I'm Scots, Irish and, and French. So this guy here, I, I, I don't even get, he had an acquaintance who's, uh, once whose grandfather was born a black Roman Catholic in New Orleans and died a white Lutheran in Ohio. I have no idea what that even means. Like, Well, and it's also patently false. You can't be born black and then die white. Uh, Michael Jackson was not white. Okay. Right. That's pro- I think and, that's more referring... Oh, he just got well, a banana... And not not only is it patently false, it's anti-scriptural, because the Bible literally says, "Can a leopard change its spots?" Right. And the answer is no. The answer is no. And he was even directly relating that to your heart. Can you change your heart? So if if the answer is yes, that we can change our skin, then can we change our heart as well? <laughs> Therefore, your skin, the shade of your skin is what determines how you're perceived by your race. But like you said, that's just word games. It's just more word salad from it. Yeah, and then he goes into this whole blood purity system. I, I have no idea who wants to do that. I think I think the, the what he's what he's getting at with a black Roman Catholic in New Orleans is so Alabama, Mississippi, New Orleans used to have if you're great great if you have one great great grandmother or something like that that's black then you're black and then once so many generations goes by then you might be white i know they had a lot of those tests in like mississippi like a a white guy which you could see is a white guy but he has one great great grandparent that was black he was you know then from then on had negro on like his um um official documents or whatever so i mean i okay but, but nobody that's, wants again, that not what we're getting at you know like it's in my opinion okay y'all say straw man but i say red herring like this is we're not even talking about this you know um right nobody's asking for blood purity system here we're not we're not trying to connect any of this stuff to technology that's going to tell you where to sit in the bus all we have well, said is we should have the right to marry and to stay within our own people group. 
yeah, he's, he's also using the old Naxalt argument, you know, not all X are like that, <clears throat> to try to break down any arguments we're making. So, you know, you, you bring up FBI crime statistics or, you know, just the fact that you can recognize it, you know, just just living your life day to day that blacks commit more crimes or uh, or sorry, Noah, but Hispanics are involved more in, in drunk driving uh accident by and large and so he'll just pull out the you know i i can i can point to this one guy who was born black in alabama and died white in ohio and none of it makes sense and like you said because it's not what we're saying at all yeah so this this gets down to that this just does it's not landing because it has no foundation in truth nobody wants a blood a blood purity system now I will say we do joke about it, okay, but that's nothing more than jokes. Like you know, if, if someone has one great great you know grandfather that's German, we might make fun of them because they're not fully white, okay. You know that whole purity spiraling thing, but none of that should be taken seriously. <laughs> we, we we're only serious when it comes to the Italians. Yeah, and right. especially the Italians. But I'm I'm <laughs> interracially married, and I make jokes about that with my wife all the time. I'm like, you, why did you? I'm like Sarah. Why? I did, I just said my wife's name. I'm like, why did you marry a brown person? You shouldn't have done that. And I, we just, uh, I crack up at it. She just stares at me like I'm weird. But it's 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 a it's a funny joke. <laughs> well, and you know the thing is, if we were actually serious about it, Noah wouldn't be in this chat. Several other people wouldn't be in this chat. I wouldn't be in this chat. I mean, my great grandfather was Jewish enough to be in the so-called Holocaust. Uh, he was a very proud national socialist, and he was a very happy Nazi up until he got on the wrong side of one guy and ended up in a salt mine. Uh, not a death camp, mind you, but a salt mine. And the thing is, if everybody in here was like, hey, one drop of Jewish blood is going to ruin the Aryan race, I wouldn't have friends who held to positions like we hold in this group. Noah wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. You know, I know several of these guys uh, wouldn't be here because the fact is it's not one drop. It's what are you right now? What What is the man that God's making you? And that your racial makeup has a play in that. And it's very important to who you are. But it's also there's there's more going on than just what's in your veins. It's also who do you identify yourself with? Who are you going to hold to? Who are you going to say, hey, that's my brother, that's my family? And that identification is done in countless ways through language, customs, mores that people have. There are all kinds of unspoken ways in which people identify with each other. Look at blacks in this country. They speak in a certain kind of dialect, no matter even if they're highly educated, they'll speak a certain way to find affinity with others of their race. That's normal, natural, um, because they're separating themselves in their own way from everyone else to get have their own thing going. And so Wilson knows all this. He's not stupid. He's trying to minimize racial identification to simply like a, a Benjamin Moore color swatch to be willfully obtuse. Yeah, and that's the disingenuous thing that he's talking about in his opening when he says, you're basing this on a color. You know, why didn't you at least go for a more exciting color as if 
you know, the most pure of colors isn't the most beautiful of colors. But leaving that aside for now, uh, he's he's dropping it down to something which is just a side effect of the reality of people groups. You know, the if if one of my children comes out brown. And uh, this this has happened before, where you have you know identical twins, one is white and one is black, and it's just a freak of genetics that one of the one of these dominant genes came out, and in the other child a more recessive gene came out, and this is uh, that child with the darker skin is not less of a child because of it, and nobody in this group thinks that. That's that's not what we're basing it on. People are more than their skin color. People are people. There, there's a history. There's a, there's a, a family. There's a tribe. There's an ethnos there that uh, is being ignored. Right, and that's it, it's um, you know kind of add to what you're saying. It really is the the modes of being you're living in. Like, how, how are you living? What are you what are you becoming? What is your end? What are you going towards? That that kind of stuff makes a big deal when we're talking about are they my people or not? Um, and there's there's just again there's different ways of being. I mean, I I went to North Carolina and the North Carolinians are are different than the people in Mississippi. Uh, that that doesn't mean they're wrong for being the way they are, but I don't feel as at home in North Carolina as I do in Mississippi. It's just different. Um, and that's really a that's really a lot of this, and some of it comes down to the genetics. Some of it comes down to your your culture and your history. And everybody's is different, so they manifest differently uh, depending on all those those elements. Um, so then we'll go to the next one. And so to all those in the ranks of the chemists. Who are really who who really were motivated by nothing more than your God-given natural affections? You are being snookered. The only thing you are demonstrating is how gullible a certain brand of white people can be. Some are trying to make you think that you are the radicals, the shock troops, the elite fighting units, the red-pilled brigades of Gurkhas. But I can assure you that the progressives would a thousand times more prefer be fighting folks like you than fighting regular old conservative Christians, the kind whose grandfathers knew how to get knew how to kick fascisto butt you're dabbling with demented reactionary memes is making life easy for them so get out walk away repent you think the need of the hour is for everybody to grow a spine like you think you did when what you really need to do uh was grow a brain now i wanted to hit this one and i know i've mentioned this in the chat before um no, they would much rather fight the old conservative Christians because the old conservative Christians are the ones who've been laying down for them for the past hundred years. Yeah. They've been rolling over on everything since women's suffrage, and they put up just enough of a fight to make it sound like they're they're you know uh, uh, having a, a a life and death struggle with it, and then the next thing you know, they're well, this was always part of our values. Um, and it, well, it's that meme, you know, there's that meme going around right now where it's like conservatives in five years and it's, uh, reject degeneracy, embrace tradition. And the degeneracy is the new pride flag and the tradition is the old pride flag. 
Right. But yet, conservatives have conserved nothing except the thing the left was pushing five minutes ago. And then he he says, you know, they'd rather be fighting you than the conservatives that actually, you know, in to paraphrase him, the, the guys who fought World War II and actually killed uh, the greatest people who ever lived in Europe, uh, my ancestors, the Germans. And uh, the problem is that doesn't hold up. The people who fought in World War II are the same people who came back and supported Jim Crow. They're the people who, when polled on whether they should racially segregate or uh, integrate uh, in the military bases overseas, said, no, we want segregation. We don't want to be integrated. Excuse me. We don't want to be integrated with these people. So um, uh, not only is he wrong on the fact that they would much rather be fighting mainstream National Review conservatives, he's also wrong about identifying the supposed greatest generation as National Review conservatives. Well, I, th- I think that's the that's the ticket right there is because, okay, so I'm not a chemist. Like I just, I don't use the label. I'm just a natural affectionist, I guess you'd say. But at the same time, I'm not a reactionary either. Like there's times that I have been reactionary, but I don't feel like I'm reacting right now. I'm just, I'm whatever my grandfather was. Right. And he was a Wallace supporter. Okay. So, I mean, to give you just a frame of reference, it's like I'm not reacting to anything. I'm just, I think the way he did life was better than the way we're doing life today because he seemed to have have it all put away. So I want to emulate him so that I can be a better man. Yeah, but, but Tom, here's the clincher. Uh, your grandfather and Wilson's grandfather and my grandfather probably all thought the same thing. So this is... This is just part of pointing out the hypocrisy of all this. He's distancing himself from what Christians believed in just the recent past. He aligns very closely with the liberals on racial matters, almost, you know, lockstep. See, the thing is, is I don't think he affirmed, I think he was closer to where I stand uh, about 15 years ago, you know, back in, you know, the 90s or uh, early 2000s when he was writing stuff like Southern Slavery as it was, uh, black and tan, that type of stuff. And, and I'm wondering why he's confused confused about this. Is it purposeful confusion or what? I mean, we're, we're just, you know, reading your old material. We're reading Dabney, what he has to say, and then we're just making observational references. Yeah. And, and really, when we're talking about our people group, our in-group preference or whatever, it's no different than what you're doing at Moscow. We're finding our own tribes right now, and our tribes just happen to be, say, my, my tribe just happens to be pro-Southern. You know, the Southern people should continue to survive. Um, what, what's wrong with us looking after ourselves? What's wrong with thinking more like our grandfather? Yeah, and I just have to point out, it's such a funny line. The times whose grandfathers knew how to kick fascisto, but as Jeff was saying, if you look at World War One and World War Two, were the same in terms of polling public opinion before the war. Everyone was dead set against it, and Wilson and FDR both had to lie to the American public, saying, "We're not going to send your sons into this European battle." And right up until Pearl Harbor, people were so dead set against going in. It was like 
Uh, Michael Tracy wrote about this recently in a great article that he put out on his Substack. I think it's something like 85 or 90 percent they were against going in. And then you look at someone like General Patton after the war, he realized we fought the wrong enemy. So kicking fascisto butt, it just cracks me up. Again, there's another try-hard coinage, like fascisto butt. Yeah. Like that, like well, sounds... I think he's trying really hard uh, to say bad words uh, without saying words that will make his core demographic uh, suburban moms mad at him. <laughs> Lord help him if he says cunt again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wasn't off base when he said it, though. Like, uh, no, that was actually wasn't. a really good article. Uh, I had really I had a lot surprised. of respect for him. But which really I'll, made I'll, me surprised I'll... about like the his first uh, opening article with the hoochie mama thing. That felt really forced. <laughs> I'm just like, what is this like? First season of South Park? Like, uh, okay, like okay, <laughs> Wilson. But, I chuckled uh, at the hoochie mama. I, I did laugh I, at that. Yeah, it was funny, but it wasn't provocative in the way that I would would have expected. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's kind of quirky. It's it's uh, sophomoric and how uh and then it's funny in that respect at the same time i'm like did it really need that for the the basic thrust of it overall which was uh you know against uh women being uh not being called at, like being called out on their uh on their public displays of sexuality i mean i don't know but that I wonder, Back to the article. Would ever do a, a, I wonder if Doug would ever do a live rating of women's rights women. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's done secular education, but w- would he do he women's rights women? Yeah, he did. I, I didn't didn't understand why. I, I got um, I got no respects. If he edits it, I've got no respects whatsoever. I but but it, I will say that it did turn me on to Dabney, so huh, Douglas Wilson radicalized me. Well, that's the thing. Doug Wilson started out, he built up his entire um, online presence and the institutions he has and the people that follow him. He, 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 he built that up by starting, an, you know, the, the way he likes to pretend he is now, being unreserved in his criticism and saying politically incorrect things. Now, the problem is now is he's built an institution. He's got lots of people and money behind it. And I don't know if it's him mostly or if it's people behind him, but I would be willing to bet that now there's concern that he needs to protect what he has established so that they don't actually get the real heat turned on them by the uh, establishment. And so so he's trying to protect that, which is why he goes after the likes of us, even though people like us probably make up a very big part uh, of those who view him. Or or or, uh, or subscribe to his content, um, <clears throat> but there's there's definitely people behind the scenes who are telling him he needs the coolest jets because they want to be able to keep those colleges, those churches, and everything they've built up to this point. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's lost on him how easily what he's built can be crushed. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like I think somebody mentioned it, maybe somebody mentioned it in the chat, but. You know, Canon Press, everything, everything that they've built out there is great, but it could be crushed tomorrow. You know, it really could. Um, 
federal intervention and everything else. So I've noticed too, like you said, like it seems like they've throttled back the past couple of years. I mean, they're edgy to a point, um, but I don't know. I think they're well aware of, of where that line is and there's no way in hell they're going to cross it. Yeah, they very obviously walk a tightrope. I mean, I, like I mentioned before, he, he, he kind of sits in the middle of the bridge sometimes so that he can try to keep a hold of all of those grassroots followers who do follow him because he used to say these things. He used to unreservedly say these things um, that we talk about now, but he's also trying to trying to stay on the other side too so that he doesn't get in any real trouble. And in my estimation, as a content creator, um, though never, you know, not to his level yet, um, I, I, I do kind of see why he would do that. You know, and, and there's no shame in your game if there's certain lines that you won't cross because you want to keep some of your audience, right? My, my biggest beef is some of the personal attacks and then just the absolute straw men, you know? So he, I think even if he does have these certain lines that he won't cross, he's still doing more harm than good in the grander picture of things. He just needs to stop kicking dirt into the fan. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're somebody like Wilson who has an institution to protect, it's understandable that there are some things that you won't say or do. Yeah, I think uh, people have noticed this about the Christian nationalist books that have come out. Uh, Both of them are written by people who are sort of attached to institutions, and they're not coming out and saying their most radical views. They're coming out and they're placing their arguments in the most favorable light because they don't want to alienate their potential audience. But the thing that they're doing correctly that Doug Wilson is doing wrong is, as you said, he's punching right. He's punching us. He's punching the people that are his brothers. I mean, and let's be serious here. I mean, Douglas Wilson is our brother. Uh, And this kind of reminds me of a conversation I had to have with my kids recently where uh, we were talking about someone who was a good person, who goes to our church, who was doing something that was wrong. And I had to explain to them, well, kids, sometimes good people do bad things. You know, that's something we have to keep in mind with Wilson. I mean, I don't think Douglas Wilson is a bad man, but good men will sometimes do bad things. It's a it's a clay feet sort of situation here where um, Wilson and and the, I, I think Wilson started out with um, being the renegade and now he's trying to become more uh, I don't want to say acceptable but um, he's trying to be more I, I don't know what the right word is professional. Uh, respectable, um, you know, he, he's trying to establish something and not just wedge his way in. And I think that's a, I think that's part of this as well. But, you know, he goes through this big whole diatribe up here talking about how, um, you know, it, if we just tut-tut it a little something about how white boys will be will be boys, that too would be a problem. It would look cowardly and secret yearning to join up with them. It this little comment right here is is weird because I don't think he does have a secret yearning to join up with us. 
but the fact that he mentions it methinks the lady doth protest too much right exactly and so it's just a weird like it's almost like we're stealing his thunder in a way and he and he senses that and this seems to be a way of lashing out i don't know maybe i'm misreading but that just seems to be a a a theme here no i I think you're absolutely right there for the longest time he was the spiciest thing on the market and now people his own apprentices have, have surpassed him in that and he's getting a little uh He's getting a little concerned that he might be left in the dust, which he will be one day. But the thing is, everybody's got to learn that they'll be left in the dust eventually if they're doing you know, the right thing. They can only take some people so far, and then people will leave them behind. And I'm sure all the content that he's produced, he's going to, in, a, in the next 10,000 years, he's probably going to be on par with the other church fathers, right? Would everyone here agree? I mean, he's written that yeah, pro- I think so profusely. Too. Um, you know, he, he's he's literally going to be the next Lewis, Tolkien, or Chesterton. Probably more Lewis and Chesterton. Okay, Tolkien didn't really write that many articles. Um, that's how people in 100 years are going to look at Douglas Wilson. I mean, because he's Book slap, though. Yeah, his, he's got some good books. I was talking about Tolkien. You said he didn't really write articles. I was saying oh, his yeah, book yeah, slap, yeah. though. Well, Tol- Tol- Tolkien's um, uh, novels are going to be far better than Douglas Wilson's. Yeah, his still aren't terrible. You mean that you like Lord of the Rings better than Ride Sally Ride? You unsubscribed swine! The Ride of the Rohan was was a thousand times better than uh than, than Ride Sally Ride. But I think it was better than uh Baron and Luthien, DBH. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man. My heart hurts a little for you, buddy. <laughs> no, it was a perfectly serviceable novel, albeit everyone was written in the voice of a, uh, in the voice of oh, Wilson. So, uh, works for the protagonist, not so much for the side characters. <laughs> oh man! All right, so moving forward, uh, having threaded that particular needle, this puts us in a position to turn our attention to the progressives. This needs to be done because if there is such a thing as white splaining, these people, pretty much any one of them, could offer a masterclass on how to do it. Let me yes, pick I a representative. Yeah, let me pick a representative of this class, taken at random. I have reached into a hat and chosen a lesbian professor of journalism at a community college in Portland. See what I mean? It doesn't get any worse than that. Yeah, Gloria Steinberg, the great white woman. <laughs> right. But even if it is one of the, you know, the blonde-haired Anglos that, you know, went wild in college, because they have been known to do that, you know, when you don't keep your women on a leash, they tend to run wild. Um, it, but, but anyways, uh, those, they have left our reservation, like, they are no longer a part of our, our tribe, that's what we were getting at earlier, these are not our people, you know, um, just right. because we share the same same skin color, again, it's just a repetition off that off that base assumption that we care about racial purity and and all that type of stuff when it's far more than that you know so but anyways it's it's like i said it's just more building upon it upon a lie all right i'm gonna keep reading um 
I see that I have lost some of you. This particular female, pronouns, pronouns hell and no, has uh, has hell whiteness grid that no no will apply any time to anyone, and will do it anywhere with or without an invitation. But only so, the, but the mystic forces that impel hell to make these applications are themselves bubbling up from an inner aquifer of hell whiteness. No one, no will swoop in to explain to a redneck how bull riding at, at the radio is racist and will also explain to a black father how concern about crime in his neighborhood is the new face of white supremacy. There is nothing on this green earth that cannot problematize into racial categories. Okay, so this is a perfect example of forced wordsmithy or, you know, just an absolute face plant because that was difficult as crap to read. Right? Yes, like I, I had to go back, I had to go back and replace hell and no with her and she. And I was like, okay, that's what it is. So it's, it's, no, just don't. You have to write this thing for us ADIQ smooth brains over here, okay? If you're going to criticize us, when, you need to speak on our level, dadgummit. That's what I was saying earlier when I when I said I, I don't feel like his primary purpose most times is to actually communicate thoughts and ideas. It's to kind of just uh, show off his vocabulary. There is a single word descriptor for this kind of writing. It's called sophistry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, yeah. He's he's trying to be too clever. He's too clever by half. And the problem is, you know, for me, when I was reading it, it was not difficult to understand what he was doing, but it was a bit, well, it was a bit of an eye-rolling moment. And it's like, oh, ha-ha, he said hell no instead of she, her, lol, wow, that's so based, whoop-de-doo, what next, okay. What, what, what are... Yeah, I mean, what what am I supposed to be getting out of this? That there was no value added. Um, the the amount of time it took to write him, for him to write this in there, was not worth it for the time it took me to read it. This was a a bad investment. And there are two things I want to point out about this because all of that is true. You know, you can just imagine him sitting in the chair, giggling to himself as he's thinking up all these terms of phrase and words. But look at what he's doing here with words like honky and redneck. For all of the time he takes to castigate racial awareness, he is constantly uh, denigrating low-class whites. He'll talk about um, you know, how many teeth they have in their head, the trailers they live in, et cetera, et cetera. So that part is interesting to me. But also, he mentions a black father concerned about crime in the neighborhood. Well, very interesting that he would choose a black father concerned about crime because young black men are about 4% of the population and they're committing now 60% of all violent crimes. So right, despite. No the, yeah, there's no way in the world that he would ever, even in, a, in an illustration like this, talk about how white people are genuinely concerned and scared for their families regarding crime and what they're going to do about it. That's that's where it hits the rubber meets the road. What are you going to do about it? And that's why he doesn't want us to have any kind of organization. Behind it, this this reminds me of all of the articles that like um, the New York Times and uh, the Atlantic and all those other lefty 
Bugman, you know, publications uh, have where you could just take the article that's about white people and replace just the just the words white with like black or you know Chinese or anything else and one induces like rage in people whereas them talking about white people is not even like effective on them he would never write this kind of an article about black people right. ever and he wouldn't he wouldn't drop an n bomb in re- in regards to blacks he would never do it at all but he he doesn't mind you know dropping honky and redneck and talking about you know the number of teeth in their heads um i i i bet i would but bet a lot of, of money teeth and heads i mean i i work with a lot of black people i work with a lot of white people um, there are four people that i work with very closely who have rotten teeth uh, one of them's white yeah i mean all the all the white people i know with bad teeth have done meth so as has less to do with them being white than, you know, more than well, being druggies. Apparently we're... Yeah. Well, this one is actually an exception to the rule because this white guy was a Marine and he got gassed with some pretty nasty stuff overseas Ooh. fighting a banker's war. And uh, he turns out he's not even 50 years old. I thought he was 70. Good God. I'll be praying White for that man. man. White privilege. Yeah. I mean that. I will be praying for him. That that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, if you want to pray for him, his name's Patrick. He's a he's a good dude. He's not a Christian, but he's he's a good hearted man. Well, I'll I'll pray his uh his heart has changed to love Jesus. So um so let's get past the word salad into more word salad. This by itself is not new, in that we have always had mentally ill people. The thing that is strange and new is how the progressive establishment, political, corporate, media, military, and so on, has gone along with all such woke asininities, solemnly nodding. They have decided that regular white people, simply for being white, need to be pummeled with official and officious admonitions for a generation or two, after which time they will have to start paying reparations. Now, after more than a few years of this, a bunch of these a bunch of these white people started to get surly. This treatment started to flush out a few a few white folks who had, not surprisingly, gotten tired of it. They were provoked into taking the bait. See the first section. If they were going to hang me for being for uh, for a thief, regardless of what I do, for regardless of what I do, I might as well steal something. So, I I want to I want to pull in two things specifically about this. First is that last line. Um, the only time I have ever heard that phrase uttered has been in an ironic dismissal of being called racist, such as, oh, I'm racist no matter what I do. Well, okay, fine, then I'm racist. Now what? Am I wrong? Well, then I guess the truth is racist. Like, that's how I've used that phrase. I've never heard of someone saying, oh, I'm going to be racist because you keep calling me racist. Or I'm going to hate all blacks because I keep being called racist. I mean, you'd have to have a very shallow perception of your own morality to become something because people accuse you of it. I don't know anybody who uh, gets 
accused of being a rapist and he's like, oh, well, if everybody thinks I'm a rapist, I guess I'm going to go follow a woman down a dark alley and rape her. Now, that, that doesn't happen in real life. That's nonsense. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is this what he's saying? Because I know he said many times race does not exist. He wants to allow for people thinking that they belong to ethnicities, but he has said very clearly race does not exist. So is, is what he's saying here that white people, this is his, you know, the, the contradictory way in which he talks because he'll say race doesn't exist and then he'll refer to white people, but right. he's saying that white people feel as though they have been abused and so they get surly, but they're but their taking of the bait is basically buying into the leftist paradigm that race exists, which he thinks is, you know, Darwinist or something. Well, this is kind of the um, uh, Stephen Crowder way of looking at it, and and I, I, I I'm not giving him a compliment. Um, you know the it's it's the whole deal of. Yeah, like you're saying, well, you're just accepting the left's paradigm for things, and it's it's not at all what we're doing. We're not. It, this has nothing to do with, you know, even the superiority of white people. It has everything to do with we, by the providence of God, are white, and when white people, and this was the second thing I was going to get at, he's saying that you know they need to be you know, pummeled with official admonitions for a generation or two. No, they want to kill us. They want to dispossess us. They want to deracinate us. And then they want to kill us. That is not this relatively light punishment that he's trying to say that they want for us. They're not exactly shy about saying it. And, you know, if it were as he described, you know, just pay reparations for a few generations, and then we'll all be honky-dory. We've been paying reparations ever since the Hart Sellers Act. Or actually, I might might be getting these confused, but whichever one it was, uh, you know, we've got all these laws about uh, you're not allowed to segregate, you have to hire a certain percentage of black employees, you're not allowed to do this, you have to do that, you're not allowed to do this, you know, college admissions, all of these things, um, basketball scholarships, all of these things have racial quotas attached to them that are de facto, they are per se reparations. And for everyone to pretend like we haven't been paying reparations for my entire lifetime is nonsense. And it's not stopping anytime soon. Once you start the gravy train rolling, the only thing that stops it is when it finally runs out of fuel. And they've got a very strong, resilient, hardworking class of white people that they can pillage until they make us extinct. And they're not going to stop until they get to that point. And his rose-rimmed glasses that he thinks we can, you know, if we just suffer a little bit for a little while, we'll all get over it. That's not the way it's going to work. And he should know better. Yeah. Also, also he, um, you know, accuses us because we share certain definitions with the left. I mean, the, the left says the sky's blue. If I don't, if I say the sky's blue, does that make me a leftist? You know, the the, the Catholics say that God is a Trinity. You know, triune God. I say that God that God is a triune God. Does that make me a Catholic? This is all just just immature argumentation on the face of it, trying to equate us with another group of people who are 
morally abhorrent because we agree on certain fundamentals. And the thing is, I mean, race is a very obvious. You have to blind yourself purposely to say it doesn't exist. If you want to, if you want to switch up the wording and play with semantics and call it, you know, ethnicity, fine, do what you want to, but it doesn't, doesn't negate the fact that there is a, you know, there is a distinction between uh, different kinds of people. And if that makes me a leftist, I mean, I guess whatever, Doug, I'm just going to move on. Well, I mean, this is, this is kind of my whole thing about it is, I know this might be getting a little too esoteric for this conversation, but I'm not operating in as much as I'm able to on modernist terms. I'm not trying, I'm actively attempting to not operate in modernist mindset. Post-enlightenment thought is exactly what I'm trying to avoid. And so I speak, the way that I speak, I'm trying to mimic the people that I have read and, and, and pulled from that are not invested in or have any desire to be inside of enlightenment thought. Um, and, you know, this, I've, I've teased Adi about it a little bit, but this is kind of my problem with precept. I, I don't want to get off on this tangent, but I, I kind of feel like that uh, Doug is stuck in this enlightenment mindset where race is entirely have to do with your genetics. It's this Darwinian mindset, and I'm not anywhere near that. I, it, while genetics play a role, Absolutely. You can't avoid it just as much as it plays a role in you being a man. There's more to being a man than just having the genetics. And when someone is an effeminate man, he's acting like a woman, even though he is physically and uh, supposed to be a man. It's this it's this fight that he's having against his own nature that makes effeminate men disgusting. It it it's repulsive. Um, and so this is kind of the same thing where, you know, you know, being white, being Indo-European, as I would, I would phrase it as a, an analogy here, that has more to do with, you know, how you go about things, the kinds of governments that we have, the kinds of cultures that we have are unique to the Indo-European people. And it's splintered off into a bunch of different families and a bunch of different groups and a bunch of different, you know, smaller ethnic groups. But we all hail back to that one group, and it's that's the whole group. That whole group, Indo-Europeans, are the ones who's under attack. It anybody within that group. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, this is an unprecedented attempt to erase an entire group of people off the planet. Well, he he would obviously argue that you know the the one that happened in the 30s and 40s <laughs> would have been worse than today's genocide. But it, you know, I it, it's our, our genocide's the long game. You know, it's right. it's less to do with suffering and you know fake gas chambers and more to do with just an absolute psyoping of our people. Right, like our people are demoralized, our people are fed porn, our people are fed propaganda through, through Tic Tac and Twitter, and and, and we're 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 just yeah. we're just as a people blackpilled, and, and, and or or going left, and 
that's what and that's what White Boy Summer seeks to answer. <laughs> you know, and that's, right? And that's what that's what complete what he completely misses about all of this, and most people miss about all of this. It it is not a like we spoke in the chat earlier. It's not a matter of hating another race or anything like that. It's literally it's a it's a means of survival, and not just physically, but just capturing the affections and pulling the white boy out of the abyss, right? And saying, hey, you know what? Here's a, here's a, here's a positive vision right here for you. Um, we're going to make it. You know, these, these sound like simple things, right? Like, but at the end of the day, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten messages or comments about people that, like, are at the end of the rope. And see, see something as simple as a meme or a phrase. And it just, it, and like, wow, we're allowed to say these things? We're allowed to talk about them? So, you know, I, I don't know. Doug completely misses all this in my mind. He's completely out of touch. He's not even in the same ballpark as me as far as I'm concerned. Well, a real, um, one of the things that, that clicked in my mind, I guess brought a lot of dots together, regarding this subject, I started listening to the Asha Logos um, uh, history series. And on the first episode, he opens up with saying, uh, "There, essentially, I'm going to paraphrase poorly here, um, but there's a way of looking at man where the blood in your veins has lived before. And in a sense, you have lived before. And you will live again through the people who come from you. And you lived before with the people you came from. And that connection between the past to the future, that you serve as a link between those two, um, that, is, that is how you build a tradition of people that have built civilizations across the planet. So it's this whole idea of you know we, we think about uh theological traditions um we think about um uh, uh cultural traditions but there's also genetic traditions and it's it's finding gratitude and and finding happiness understanding what god has providentially placed you uh placed with you and in you as part of what you are, that I'm part of this tradition of people that have done great things. And me being that link between the greatness of the past and the potential greatness of the future of, of this group of people is something that changes the way that you see yourself and changes the way you see everything around us. And so it was really this idea of being that link where I don't have to personally do anything great and and spectacular in terms of you know building another uh, uh, another bridge or skyscraper or anything amazing like that. Well, it's just I'm about being part of that group of people. Yeah, I mean that's um, T.S. Eliot has a quote. Um, well, I mean Scruton has a number of quotes, but specifically T.S. Eliot has a quote that says. Um, Tradition, I think it says tradition is the way or the means by which uh, the vitality of the past enriches our life in the present. Mm. 
And in my mind, you know, White Boy Summer, the memes, the, the attitude, that's, that's where it all concludes. That's the point. Right. Um, and it's just lost on guys like Wilson. But he's speaking against that, and this is this is why I'm talking about enlightenment mindset to begin with, because yeah, because yeah, yeah. he wants to he wants to get rid of that. None of that matters to him, yeah. and he's willing to have you throw it away, um, just because other people are better are better connected. And of course, you're just jealous about his about his his wife, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you want to talk about identity politics, I mean, he, he talks about that all the time, but <clears throat> he plays. He plays into identity politics more than we do, I think, because to him, it has to be one or the other, your Christian identity or your ethnic identity. But you can identity is like a is like an onion. You know, there's multiple layers to it. You can have your ethnic identity. You can have your religious identity. But, I mean, Paul struggled with this, too. You know, he, he he was proud of the fact that he was, you know, of Israel, you know, of the tribe of Benjamin. He said that he would be damned if he could if he could save all of his fellow brethren. <clears throat> this is not this is not a, you know a zero sum game. We can have you know we can have a layered identity that is holistic and it's real and it, and we don't have to choose one or the other. And that's kind of what a lot of the 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 Wilsonites the the, the thing that they fall into, especially the more libertarian side, because they do not like to identify with any collective identity um but they always go for whatever the one that they uh, the identity that they personally uh i guess accepted the identity that they bought into personally because i mean your your ethnic identity you can't choose that i mean god placed you in that specific time and place but it's like oh i i became a christian therefore becoming part of this identity well, yeah, but you also gotta you also gotta grapple with the fact that God put you in this time and place, in this ethnic group to do what He, you know, to, to to try to do His will, and for whatever other reason we can't even explain at this point. But I mean, I I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but it, it seems like they, they see this that you have to choose one or the other. Yeah, I mean, to the 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 whole idea of. Um the gospel erasing your identity. Um, it's kind of the the same reaction that certain ascetic groups of Christians had. That passage that says, you know, if you're going to love me, you have to hate your father and mother. And then they they, they took that literally. Or, um, you know, if, you're, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. I mean, how many guys have castrated themselves in church history because they took that passage too literally and then it, it didn't get rid of the desire to sin it just got rid of what was naturally there that God gave them to fulfill a purpose and so what what they're really doing is they're stripping a part they're attempting to strip a part of themselves away uh, and they they're they're destroying themselves because they think that oh well everything's summed up in Christ right so I don't need anything else, just Christ. You know, well then why don't you divorce your wife? Why don't you disown your kids? Why don't you disown your parents? It's it's these natural affections that God has given us that ties us to the world for a reason. You can't just throw those away 
and expect yourself to to be you. You're you're literally destroying a part of yourself. I'm getting on a tangent here. I'm sorry, but um, this this really frustrates me about modern thinkers. Um, so someone who earlier indicated that compromise with kinism is like trying to pick up a turd by the clean end. I think we also need to recognize that it was the progressive left that created and continues to sustain this abysmal situation by making absolutely everything about superficial ethnic ethnicity indicators. It turns out that some have learned this lesson in reactionary ways and have embraced their super superficial ethnic ethnicity indicators. Instead of being ashamed of this makeup made up reality, they become proud of this made up reality and that's how we got a, a collection of proud boys going down to heckle folks at the at an Antifa rally, with the boys in question made up of Scots, Norwegians, Germans, and Ukrainians, arms locked, singing a Celtic war song. Most of them were Latino, but whatever. Uh, this is nothing that, more that than playing. Fun. Yeah, it does actually. This is nothing more than playing tribal dress-ups or ethnic cosplay, and all of it based on nothing more than a shared susceptibility to sunburn. It is really, it is certainly stupid, but no stupider than what Big Eva has been peddling to Christians for decades. Uh, like I said, uh, most most of the Proud Boys were Latinos, um, so that that isn't even close to the truth. Uh, but we're not even talking about the left's concept of whiteness, just like we're not talking about the 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 left's concept of um uh uh. I like, how, I, like how Wilson, I like how Wilson just kind of like ignores what actually makes up culture because he preaches so much about this, about how uh, culture is like downstream of worship and whatnot. Yeah. And does what the left does where they're like, oh, my gosh, America is so heckin diverse. We eat tacos. And that's basically the same as, you know, the fact that we speak the English language, live under common law. We largely are uh, English uh, 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 Christian denominations of English origin and things like that. And he does it with this, where he's just like, oh, well, they sang a Celtic war song and, you know, had bratwurst that, and the after party. It's like... Um, based? I think, it's, I, th I think it's a pretty amazing skill to uh, to accept these categories and then dismiss the same categories in the next paragraph. It's It's, it's hilarious. It really is. Like, it's disingenuous. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like you mean to do it. Oh, my eyes just went to equal weights and measures as soon as you said that, too. <laughs> uh, I misspoke. It is not more stupid or less stupid. It is the same stupid. No, it's not. Uh, and it is the other end of the turd. Big Eva has been telling us that we were color swatch, guilty of privilege. We needed to be more contrite and repentant and chastened because there were slavers on the color wheel that, who looked like us, whether or not we were actually connected to them in any way. That being the principle, <clears throat> why can we not start talking about taking undue pride in the accomplishment of people on the color wheel who look like us, whether or not we are connected to them in any way? Hey, equal, <clears throat> equal, equal weights and measures seem to be, uh, would seem to be the principle we should remember here. When I think of my skin tone largely matches that of Neil uh, Armstrong and Ted Bundy, I'm in equal measure both proud and ashamed. I just don't know which way to look. 
So if you don't like the white boy reactionaries, then you really need to dismantle the critical race theory factory that manufactures them. Yeah, so so we're just going to ignore like all of a people group's history, right? Like we're 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 going to ignore the fact that they that the Anglican Church spread throughout the entire world because of the Brits conquering the world. No, you're, you're like, we can't celebrate that history. Yeah, that's the great irony. Uh, any any uh, remotely self-aware uh, Nigerian Anglican woman would be celebrating uh, annually the uh, the rise of the British Empire for us uh, bringing the faith to her people and ending the barbaric slave trade. Uh, you know, probably make Wilson feel very uncomfortable, to be honest. Against Neil Armstrong, why is he ashamed of him? <laughs> <laughs> We only got two options. Serial killer or astronaut. That's all. And space is fucking gay. Well, it's the same libertarian mindset that breaks everybody down to individuals. I can't be proud of my entire race's history without being ashamed of the fact that we have like some serial killers sprinkled in there. Or that... It's like, it's always, like with our... Hi- yeah. That's it's like with my, my... weird... Oh, sorry. I'll finish this thought real quick. It's like with uh, my heritage. I am extremely grateful for my heritage and the fact that my forefathers brought me to the place I am. I'm not going to overlook. I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to overlook the fact that for the most part they were alcoholic uh, dirt farmers in Missouri. Yeah, I mean that that kind of goes without saying, but they still got me to where I am, and I'm extremely grateful for that. I'm not going to beat them up over their shortcomings. Yeah, it's one of those moral principles I really never got, because as soon as you scale it down, it makes absolutely no sense. Like, my son is his own individual, his own person, and so any of his accomplishments and or sins have no bearing on me whatsoever. Uh, and likewise, um, and, and the funny thing is, we're, we're very kind of like, generally speaking when we deal with like families we recognize that bad apples will happen and maybe there is some blame at the case but generally speaking it's like pride spreads and virtue spreads for a family but generally speaking the particular you know foibles of individuals everyone kind of recognizes outside of very specific circumstances like no no one says no one puts a stigma for example on john piper for the fact that abraham piper apostatized uh, which they probably should, for being honest. Well, I mean, there, 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 there are the Bible's very about, clear about elders having families that are blameless and faithful. There, there is that uh, argument, but I'm talking about like uh, there's nothing particularly askance about it. It's sometimes that happens, and in the case of the Bible, there are very clear guidelines there that uh should probably step down. Uh, but but scaling it back up, it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, these, at the end of the day, quite frankly, everyone kind of recognizes that everyone's going to have their villains of history. And the, well, the vice of that doesn't spread to the history of a people in the same way that the virtue does. Yeah, he's always done this. He's always plucked out these individual cases, exceptions to try and disprove the rule. 
And that's what he does here with Neil Armstrong and Ted Bundy. And just like in the previous paragraph where he says, they became proud of this made-up reality rather than being changed. So he'll use these, these individual cases to try and disprove that there is a rule. It's kind of like saying, well, we don't know where the shore is and the ocean is because the tide comes in and out. You know, he's always looking for these cases along the margins to try to, to try to uh, basically like uh, how you stop believing your own eyes. Well, if we were to actually try to quantify the, uh, the actual good and bad that white people did with a spreadsheet like uh, certain individuals have, Charles Murray, uh, you know, then it, that would just be quite frankly embarrassing because when you actually look at the numbers, it's it really is embarrassing how uh, how much good uh, God has used uh, Northwestern peoples to uh, to bring about in this world. On so, behalf of white people everywhere, I apologize for solving world hunger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, uh, you know, on behalf of uh, on the behalf of all Americans, I apologize for Norman Borlaug saving a billion people from starvation. But, you know, this I, question about identity, you know, uh, individualism, libertarian individualism versus uh, finding your identity in a group, this actually goes back. Um, this is not a small question, and it's not going to be answered simply because it goes back to the very beginnings of philosophy. It's the question of the one and the many. You know, is there such a thing as an individual or are we all part of a group? Is there such a thing as groups or are we all individuals? And I think that um, R.C. Sproul answered this question very well when he said it's both because God is one and three. He is singular and plural. You know, we are all individuals, yet we are all part of groups. I am only but one man, and yet I am body, soul, and mind. You know, there is that trilateral distinction within my person, in my mere existence. And when you have people that get all carried away with rabid individualism, they forget that there is a legitimate group identity. And then you get people on the other side, like Maoist communists, who forget the individual. But I don't think that's what this group is doing. I don't think that's what anyone in our group is doing. We aren't forgetting that we are individuals, but we're also saying, hey, yes, you are responsible for your individual actions, but you're also responsible for your group actions. And you're responsible to your group for your individual actions. It's not just one, it's not just many, it's both. Right, and that and that's kind of the, um, you know, the whole the whole crux of this is that he wants to play, he wants to talk about identity politics, but he's comparing identity politics of the left to the radical individualism of the right, and you know, just like you're drawing that distinction, we're saying it's not radical individualism, but it's also not radical collectivism either. We're both part of a collective and we're individuals, and, and you need both to really be who you are. You know, um, that, that's interesting. Um, it sparked a, a potentially very hot and spicy take. I don't know how uh, 
how many esoteric people are in your audience. Uh, but I just realized that uh, that the left really is their their conception of groups and race are stunningly similar in many respects to the Evolian conception. Not not in terms of like Talos and whatnot and all the other stuff of Ola's worldview, but essentially like a spiritualist conception where they talk about like whiteness and how East Asians are now being like subsumed under uh under white people now in many places because they just they just go to work and do good work uh, and get good grades uh yeah <laughs> you know don't do crime uh and yeah it, it it's something that fundamentally fails that that Wilson mil misses it in his analysis whereas we have a historically grounded conception where we recognize that some parts are spiritual, some parts are genetic, uh, some parts are historical. Uh, some of it just comes down to like, like uh, you know, our good friend Noah. You know, <laughs> he. Why do we know he's a member of the tribe? Uh, because we, we've tested his allegiance. Um, and I would assume you guys, uh, I'm not quite in your circle. You know, would we'll trust on him to you know, <laughs> uh, when your backs are against the wall to help. Um, even though there's well, not would... that. I, I would hope that uh, we have at least a few esoteric guys in our, our group because I, I go on esoteric rants every once in a while. <laughs> Travis is over there in the corner like, dude, just shut up, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it, there's a there. It, it's it. It is kind of like Evla, but it's more. Um, oh, yeah. It, but the way that others. Marx conceived of mankind was just nothing but group power dynamics. Oh yeah, there there is a whole bunch of differences, but yeah. in essence, like uh, the the great grandchildren of Marx really do have this like, uh, I guess you could say de-reification uh, of a uh, of group dynamics where the group goes from something that's concrete and like a genetic cluster, like uh, you know HBD nerds would talk about. Uh, right, and then it becomes like this spiritual, all-consuming force, and so they get very bizarre things like the white devil theory of history, where, you know, uh, Western Christians arrived on Africa and they immediately thought these weren't really people, uh, and <laughs> and just you know just ignores ignores all the the actual history, to, commits enormous amounts of presentism, and just ignores the fact that these people literally just didn't have clothes and were, were pagans, and. Uh, <laughs> in contrast and all that stuff and all the attendant psychology of it and such. Right. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's just this all-consuming egregore under the banner of whiteness, and then they uh, re-reify it and, uh, you know, project it onto actual white people. You know, it depends uh, on what... <laughs> Just like the other meme, uh, uh, out of for no reason whatsoever, all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so next next little group. Now in the main, responsible Christians have ceded definitional authority on what constitute an ethnic offense to the progressives. This has created a vast open space in between the place where respectable Christians are standing in the suburbs of a big town that Bunyan would have called something like an acceptable public discourse and the fever swamps. On the far, far side of that vast open space, the genuine cranks and circulated bootleg copies of Luther's Jews and their lies and posting dark in intimations on Gab. 
Now in that open space over there on the right, there is more than enough room for distinctively Christian worldview thinkers to build a sizable town of their own. I say more than enough room, and I mean miles across, really. I, I honestly don't know where he's getting with this. I mean, I get these upset about the Jews and their lies copies, but um, I mean, I guess as he's saying, we're just building our own communities. We're you know, getting together where we're not going to get censored because we say something negative about certain demographics. He's just bitter about the white boy summer at country club we're building and that he's not allowed in. By the way, that book is so milk toast. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's how milk toast it is. That book is so milk toast that Brian Wolfmuller, who is a Lutheran minister in Austin, Texas, has publicly recommended it on his YouTube channel. And that video is still up. Okay. That is how milk toast that book is. Someone brought it up in chat. He read the chat and he said, yeah, it's not actually as controversial as everybody thinks it is. I recommend you just go ahead and read it and see what it's all about. Now, Brian Wolfmuller may, in fact, be secretly one of us, but I don't think so. I mean, he's a good theologian. He's a, a righteous man. He's a good man. But I don't think that he's some closet Nazi. You know, he's, he's planning genocide 2.0, and that that's why he's recommending Luther's book. I think it's because he's a Lutheran. He's actually read it, and he went, yeah, that's uh, that's correct Christian philosophy right there. That's that's a proper assessment of these people's heresy. Yeah, I wasn't. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, Christian nationalism by Torba, not by Wolf. It's like the 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 trucker's version of like this whole presentation, and, and he's he's just outright. I'm really not going to justify any of this. I'm just going to write the book, and you guys can do with it what you want. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but in order to begin building anything out there, one needs to move a little closer to the cranks, and this creates the opportunity for skittish Christians to start worrying about trajectories. Enormous pressure is therefore applied to anyone who has, to date, lived, lived in acceptable discourse, but who is making noises like he is thinking of moving out of the leftist ghetto he's been trapped in, anything but that. The result of all this is that cowed and kennel-fed Christian labor uh, to ensure that there will never be a serious biblical challenge mounted against the rogues, Montebacks, and the miscreants who make up the current city council of acceptable discourse. If you move in that direction, people will think that Christian nationalism is simply code for white supremacy. Simply shouldn't be done. Dog whistle for racism. Far too risky. It's funny because he's doing this exact same thing to us. Yeah, I was about to say this is an oddly sincere moment of uh, of uh, repentance and uh, confessing his sins, and I, I really appreciate this on his part. Kennel <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fed, just like uh, his blog May Blog Dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, it's 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 kind of funny because it's it's I, I would not go to the left to talk about anything that I'm talking about. I'm going to go to the guys who lived four or five hundred years ago and older who talked about this stuff. 
So I'm not I'm not really being kennel fed leftist nonsense. I'm running as far as far away as I can from it. It's all those dead white guys that everybody's so worried about that I've been reading. Um, who might think that? I wonder. And I do. And do I have any respect for their opinions on any other matter? I mean, at all? Why should I care about the opinion of a group who has royally discredited itself in pretty much every way? In short, I would invite all my readers to consider the fact that this is my not caring face. In short, though excessive worry about any reasonable Christian ever arguing about anything for anything distinctively Christian in the civic realm, because it reminds them of, of things said in Elijah One Tooth's newsletter, such policing Christians fussing about tone and trajectory create a situation that results in the only real alternative to the secular that the current secular madness being composed entirely of cranks. You know, I think that if I worked just a little harder, I could have made that sentence a little more complicated. You mean like well, when home policing, like uh, when he <laughs> hastily brought on Stephen Wolf to uh, do all the make sure he, Stephen Wolf wasn't covertly smuggling in any ethno nationalism by. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you uh, honor your father and mother? You might be a racist. I mean, <laughs> this entire piece that he's writing is tone policing. That's yeah. literally what this is. Don't be this too exuberant in your celebration. Yeah, so all I mean, this is classical leftist technique, which is accuse the, your op opponents of doing the very thing which you are doing. That comes out of rules for reform, uh, the radicals by Saul Alinsky. I think somebody mentioned that the other day in chat. I, I'm, I, I'm very tempted to agree. Um, I mean, like I said, I like a lot of what Wilson has done, but this right here is just garbage. Well, um, and, uh, you know, also it shows that we're willing to extend to him something he's not willing to extend to us. That last bit when he says, why would I consider the thoughts of an, a group that has disproven themselves in every single way? Well, we don't treat you like that. I have a shelf full of Wilson books. Well, not full. I mean, I've only got about a dozen. And the guy writes like books in his sleep, I guess, because he's published 200,000. But I've got several of his books, and I really like them. They're very good. His family rearing books about raising kids. It's really good stuff. And I don't write him off as a crank just because he's wrong about X, Y, or Z. And the fact that he's willing to do that to other groups, that he says, well, I disagree with you on this one thing here. Therefore, we're going to discount you. We're going to disfellowship you. We're going to ignore you. We're going to ostracize you completely. That is a sign of someone who is, one, insecure, and two, malicious. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with everything you just said there. Uh, I... I it it's frustrating that like my introduction to Wilson was father hunger and I still love and recommend that book. Uh, a buddy of mine asked me, um, it's, this is a couple of months ago. Uh, what, what would be, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm, you know, my wife's pregnant. What would you suggest be the first book I read? And I said, father hunger, because it specifically addresses what he needs to be to his children by talking about all the, the, the various effects uh, that fatherlessness has had on children. And uh, he, actually, he actually took me up on that 
and it seems to have helped him a lot. So I, I still recommend his books. I recommend some of his his commentary, but like I said, this is just this is garbage stuff. Um, and it's also something else to note that if Doug Wilson showed up in my town to talk at a local church, I would invite him to my house and I would love to have him. Yeah. But if one of us came to his town, he would do nothing of the sort. You know, the, the charitable behavior is a one way street here. And I, I don't think that should stop. I mean, we are supposed to uh, pray for those who persecute us. We are supposed to love our enemies. And Doug Wilson, while he's behaving like an enemy, I think hopefully someday, by God's grace, he'll come around and stop acting like that. But, you know, this this is a one-sided fight right now where he's punching right and we're just letting him because... He's not our enemy. We don't want to be spending all this time arguing about Doug Wilson on the internet because we have real fights to fight. I mean, uh, several weeks ago, I was on the news because I was out protesting trannies at a local Mexican food restaurant. We went out there and we screamed scriptures at them and we sang psalms in their faces, and it was wonderful. And then we get done with that, and next thing I know, Doug Wilson is publishing an article talking about how people whom I am close friends with, whom I have spent time at their house, you know, talking to their kids, growing with them, how they're bad people, and we should be ashamed of them. Like, no, this is, this is not right. This is not Christian behavior. This needs to stop. And that's really what this... This podcast is kind of a a way of reaching out and saying something about it. Um, you know, we were able to actually get into contact with Lore. Maybe this can make its way to Wilson's desk or computer, whichever, and he can listen and kind of hear what we're saying. Because um, I I, I want to get past the the mischaracterizations. I want to get past the straw men and have an actual discussion about the topic. And that seems to not be happening, despite all of the goings-on that's been happening. I wonder if we'll get a bot attack like what happened after the lore. My goodness. Yeah, that, that was frustrating, to say the least. Um, the number of worried concerns that arose about Cannon's publication of Stephen Wolf's book was really quite striking. Many of them have been the standard kind of concern outlined above, but there have also been other objections. <clears throat> worried that Moscow was uh, lessening our grip on, on, on our exuberant Kyperianism and somehow forgiving our theonomic roots. The concern that we are drifting towards some of Wolf's presuppositions, Thomism, natural law, two kingdoms, etc. We are, are we abandoning our conviction that wor worship is warfare? No. Rather, we are simply noticing that our worship is warfare has <clears throat> what our worship is warfare has been accomplishing. And also, no, this is not a forbidden qualification in November. This is simply a necessary setup and, and background for what I need to say next. Let me tell you a little an anecdote. We recently had Glenn Moots here, who gave a very fine lecture on religious establishment. During the Q&A, he was asked about theonomy, and his answer made it clear that he thought the Reconstructionists had been delightfully reactionary back in the 80s. 
and a lot of fun to read, but that he was functioning much more in the stream of the historic magisterial reformation. He was talking about some of the things that the recons used to be critical about from the other side, the reformers' use of natural law and so on. So then I posed the question this way. Suppose that Moots got his, got his way, and everything that he thought proper with regard to civic law was fully instituted, just the way that he wanted it. I asked him if the remaining Reconstructionists, all eight of them, he interjected, would be happier about the new state of affairs than they were right now under the current secularist regime. He kind of smiled, and I think he knew what I meant. And I think I knew what he meant, and that is because I think he knew what I meant. I would rather have an amicable argument with a Christian magistrate about the role of natural law should play in his recent decision re restricting abortion than a pagan magistrate over the essential goodness of federal funding of trans surgery for teens. We all rejoiced over the Dobbs decision, did we not? Do you think that Alito, Thomas, and Barrett relied on natural law more than they should have? Almost certainly. And, I, and do I care? Not even a little bit. Do you think they made their decision because they personally believed that worship was warfare? Of course they did not. But they still made their decision because worship is warfare. See, this part of the article I think is pretty good, and he's addressing a problem that we've had to deal with for a long time now. Um, and unfortunately, it's been coming from the boomers almost exclusively. I had to throw boomers in, in, in this conversation at least once um, where you know there's somebody trying to castrate a child, and they're worried because you called them a naughty word, right? And so the naughty word takes preeminence in terms of something that needs to be corrected over the fact that these people are trying to castrate your children. Um, and that, that whole, I, I think this is a very good response to, uh, while, you know, I'm more of a Thomist, I think this is a very good response to what he's, uh, the, the people that he's specifically criticizing here. Um, if y'all have any other input, let me know. I guess that's none. Okay. Uh, we now have mainstream reform scholars arguing for an explicitly Christian civic order, with the foundational standard for law being scripture, who are fully prepared to argue for civic enforcement of the first table of the law. And Wolf's book is selling like cakes that are hot. Is that how it goes? And yet some of our theonomic guys want to hang back because a Thomist is arguing for this and not a Vantillian? Come on, man. Back in the day, a lot of recons used to talk big about rebuilding Christian civilization. With all their strict biblicist and sectarian assumptions, it was not possible for them to rebuild a shaved ice stand in Atlantic City in August because the icebox delivery guy was not fully post-mill. It would be silly for us to make the same kind of mistake again. And if we did make the same mistake, it would, just, it would be just like us. And see, I think he should extend this to us as well, this kind of mentality. I agree. So, so one thing I was going to say is like he he's doing exactly what he's saying not to do to us, but at the same time, I have seen people that do exactly the same thing to him. Um, I don't need him to accept, you know, anything that you know we happen to believe. He doesn't have to believe like us. Stop misrepresenting what we believe, and then also stop, you know. Um, I don't want to say casting us out of the kingdom because he can't do that, but uh, treating us as, as if we're not brothers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's doing the same thing. I mean, we, we've got to agree 100%. I, no, 
no one's going to agree 100 percent well and, and that's i don't know how the the thomist versus the presup discussion even came into the picture because now there's a bunch of poo slinging between those two groups in regards to um specifically wilson and kinism because there's people from all sides uh of this of, of those two conversations throwing poo at one another um when i i think the real issue here is that we shouldn't be flinging anything at one another we should be presenting a united front despite our differences um in in fact i would even pull a wilson a wilson here uh who talked about the incrementalists versus the abolitionists when it comes to abortion and saying if the abolitionists have a win and the incrementalists have a win why should we not celebrate both wins they're both you know one's just a little slower than the other one well let's just take the take the w and keep moving um and that's that's kind of how i feel about this whole thing uh he he shouldn't be flinging anything at anybody he should just accept that you know it, whether he likes it or not uh the majority of of christendom actually agrees with us on this topic uh and the, his his little modernist mindset on this is a pretty ridiculous take to begin with but aside from that let's say he keeps his modernist take uh we're not flinging anything at him there might be criticisms going his way uh but usually they're defensive so i i think the ending of this would have been the way that he should have should have been the way that he he addresses us instead of throwing that back at the you know this this olive branch was given out to the people who are you know literally making everything worse yeah um John forgot what I was gonna say now <laughs> I mean that's like, the end of the article there but yeah, it is. Um, y'all can continue to chat. I've got a dip. Uh, I've got to work tomorrow, so y'all have a good one. All right, well, thanks for being here, man. See you later, buddy. Yeah, thank y'all for coming. Good talking to y'all. Good chatting. Y'all let me know if there's anything y'all want to close out with. I mean, I like I said, yeah, I just I think... think he should have offered this all of the branch to us instead of offering it to the, the people who allowed you know the, the lefties to get as far as they did. Yeah, I mean, I think this is just a sign that he's not ready for the next step. And, um, you know, we... Did we lose him? I think so. Saw this in the Reformation, Luther and Calvin and Swingley. Sorry, am I back? Sorry, I dipped down for a second. Yeah, you're, you're, you're back now. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, the first-generation reformers... Uh, they had a different fight than the second generation. And I think the same is true for Wilson and Piper and MacArthur and Sproul. Their fight was a different one than the one that we have. They had to lay a foundation, and it's our job to build on that foundation. And those men who laid that foundation might be standing around and strutting around and tutting at the, at the buildings that we're putting on their foundation because they think their foundation is adequate but the work has to continue we have to continue reforming 
simple reformanda. It has the work, that the fields are white to harvest, and somebody's got to do the work. And we can't just rest on our laurels now that that foundation has been laid. It's time to move to the next step. You know, we have to find, you know, we have to find our people, we have to find our place, and we have to fight for it. Now that we have those tools with which we can fight, now that we have the good theology and that societal place, you know, Moscow, Idaho is a wonderful thing that he has built, but somebody's going to have to take it the next step. Just having a church and just having a college in a big college town is not enough. You're going to have to take over institutions. You're going to have to in-group prefer to the point where your people get into positions of power so that you can wield the sword that God in Romans 13 says is ours to wield for righteousness' sake. That's supposed to be our job. We as Christians are supposed to be being righteous rulers. And if... if uh, if the old men who paved the road erect blockades, they're doing themselves a huge disfavor because the young men who are growing up, who are going to be that next generation, are going to be driven far away from them, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt everyone involved. So, um, if this gets to Doug Wilson, uh, heaven help us. Uh, you know, we love you. We're praying for you, but please stop attacking people who agree with you on the majority of things you teach. You know, Doug Wilson is a good man, but nobody's perfect. But uh, we're, we will continue to use his materials. We're going to continue to use this stuff because it's been a huge boon to all of us. And we really, really love a lot of the things that he's done. And we want to emulate those in our societies and in our towns as well. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say uh, the difference that I see is that, you know, you, you point out the good work that he's done and um, all the things he's been able to accomplish and how we would stand side by side with him and, and encourage him in his work even if we don't all agree and everything else that's all true but the difference i see is that he and his kind are trying to demonize us for what we believe and the and the the reason for that is seems inescapable to me they just think that we are outside the bounds you know if if we belonged in their churches they would try to bring up uh, charges of discipline against us so we're coming at this from two very different angles. Yeah, I mean that's the I mean they're already going after people, right? It's it's this isn't a hypothetical. Um I I'm kind of glad I have the I have the the distance here cuz I, I mean I'm not at a CRC church. I'm not associated with the CREC in any way shape or form. I mean heck I'm up I'm a Reformed Baptist, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even in the Presbyterian sphere. So it's, um, I, I'm in in a in a way I'm kind of looking at this from the outside in, uh, but in another way, 
you know, a lot of his criticisms are indirect attacks against me. And, you know, that, that that's kind of why I, I, I hopped on this because I, I wanted, I, th- this kind of stuff needs to be addressed. It needs to be pointed out. It needs to be, um, th- these kinds of disputes need to be settled. Because uh, if, if we maintain these kinds of divisions, then it, it's it's going to do nothing but make us weaker. You're, we're not we're not strengthening ourselves by purity spiraling. And that's really what it seems like Wilson's doing. Yeah, we need to declare a fatwa on purity spiraling. Yes. Yep. Um, does anything anybody have anything else to add before we? Kind of close things out. I guess that's a no. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, I've, this stuff just needs to be addressed. You know. That was a good stream. Yeah, I really appreciate y'all having me all on here. Well, I I love you, brothers, and uh, I I would I I would be glad to have any of y'all. Um, come on and talk about anything. Um, I respect each one of you. Uh, I'm glad we have the white boy summer memes. Um, I'm trying to do, trying to do a little something with the become the meme memes. Uh, we'll see how well that goes. So, uh, but this, I, I've had nothing but encouragement from you guys. And that's, uh, it's amazing when you have a group of men that are encouraging, despite all of the bad things that are happening today. Um, so, uh, unless anybody has anything to add, uh, we're going to cut it off here. Thank you guys for coming on and talking about this. Uh, and let's pray that the Lord, the Lord brings, uh, uh, repentance and, uh, unity in his body. Amen. 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 Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at SouthernRaisedBluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Yeah.